Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Truth Unbound. I'm Walter Swain. Here at Truth Unbound, we always seek to discover what God's answers are to the questions, the dilemmas that there are in the culture, the Christian faith, daily life, and how God wants the believer to respond to it all and know the real truth about it. So this actually happened just this week in the island nation of Indonesia, and here's the headlines. Indonesia passes law banning extramarital sex for citizens and foreigners alike. Okay, there you go. Now we'll look into the details of this new law in a moment, but this has once again caused many to ask out loud, can you legislate morality? Can you make laws forcing people to make the right moral decisions? Some say yes, some no. This is something that is around us every day. And the recent law we just did a, po a podcast on called the Respect for Marriage Act is about to be signed into law by President Biden and represents another kind of morality uh, in the other direction. So again, we ask this when we see these things, is it possible to legislate moral behavior? Well, let's see what God says, because that matters the most. And let's see what he says to us to respond, how we respond to that. You ready? Go. Hey, just before we jump in this huge topic for today, we're working hard to throw open the truth of God on the issues that we run into daily as believers. And as we said before, questions we also have about the faith, the church, and, and God. Well, want to know when the latest weekly podcast comes out and also to share it with others? Click on like or click to follow, subscribe, and send the link to all your friends and family today. All right, let's get into the issue now. Can we legislate morality? So Indonesia's new law has been heavily criticized by many. So what does it actually say and do? Well, let's look here again. According to the Washington Examiner, uh, Examiner and numerous other news outlets have repeated the same information in practically the same article, and here's what it says. Indonesia's parliament passed a law banning sex outside of marriage for citizens and foreigners alike. The law, which will take effect in three years upon the adoption of a new criminal code, sentences offenders to one year in prison, while those found cohabiting can face six months, according to the Associated Press, which obtained a copy of the new law code. Sex outside of marriage was already banned. But the punishment was light and almost never enforced. The strict new laws come amid an upsurge in religious conservatism in the world's most populous Muslim country. Though widely criticized by human rights activists, the new code was hailed by the government and its supporters as a monumental achievement. The new criminal code also bans insulting the president or vice president, state institutions, and national ideology. Contraception and blasphemy, as well as their promotion, are also banned. Oddly enough, despite the strict new laws regarding a wide variety of social issues, the new code is more liberal than the old in terms of LGBT rights and abortion. Human rights activists expressed worry over abuses from the new law, particularly regarding premarital sex and cohabitation. 
Some worry that millions of married couples without proper marriage licenses could be subject to imprisonment, according to the BBC. Other business leaders feared that the ban on extramarital sex could harm tourism. End of quote. Yowza! Wow. Now, what really caught me off guard was that this law will be imposed not just on citizens, but also on foreigners who would be there to visit for business purposes or tourists or tourism. This would require a morality police to delve into their personal lives and control their life, which is beyond scary and hypocritical and will encourage even more corruption. Also, this will be a major turnoff to economic investment and tourism, which isn't probably the wisest move. Now, I'm saying all this from a practical and political and financial point of view, not a moral one, okay? Now, Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world, a works-based religion. So the thinking behind this is essentially religious and will force people to align with Muslim moral law and conform them to Muslim morality as dictated in the Quran while you're on Indonesian soil. Now, some have taken this law as an example of it ever being truly successfully enforced as proof that you can't legislate morality upon a people. You can't make them or force them to do the right thing or not do the wrong thing. Some Christians have even explained that you can't legislate morality at all. And one of my favorite and most admired Christian leaders and influencers in the media is Jim Dennison of the Daily Article podcast of Dennison Ministries, which is an equipping ministry for followers of Jesus to help us be better at being a light for the gospel in the world and its culture. Now, they do a fantastic job. I follow them. I'm very supportive of, 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 of almost everything that they put out. But Jim Dennison states... Uh, the point that legislating morality just doesn't work, as is evidenced by this Indonesian law and in Bible times by the laws of the Pharisees over the Jewish people and what Jesus preached and said against them. Now, he makes his case in his recent article saying, quote, the problem with trying to legislate morality is that it puts all the focus on our actions. It lulls people into thinking that as long as they aren't doing anything wrong, then they must be all right. The truth is that we are seldom more at risk of acting in a sinful manner than when we allow sinful desires to grow undisturbed in our hearts and minds. After all, every law against sinful activity would be unnecessary if we dealt with the sin before it ever rose to that level. Laws against sexual activity of any sort outside of marriage would be pointless if people dealt with the lust that tempts people toward it. Legislation against theft and insider trading would be unnecessary if people address their greed first, and rules outlawing assault would be needless if people handled their anger before it ever became an action, end quote. And I really couldn't agree more with him, but then he says this, Now, I'm not sufficiently naive to believe that this side of heaven we will ever live in a world where laws are unnecessary. But does that mean the solution is attempting to legislate sin out of our culture? I have my doubts. Would people commit fewer sins if more sinful activity was made illegal? Probably so. But would they become more righteous and draw closer to God if that were the case? History says the answer is most likely no, and that's what our Lord cares about the most. So while it may be tempting to look at laws like those passed in Indonesia and wish that we had a government more capable of legislating people into accepting Christian morality— Know that even if we did, sin would still be a problem and God would still be the only real solution. End quote. 
Now, I get the gist of his argument, and in, and in part, I, I agree with the principle here, but there are a few problems with it. Number one, legislating morality is literally a command of God to mankind to do when the responsi- with the responsibility of human government. This happened with Noah after the worldwide flood ended, and God told Noah this in Genesis 9, 6. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. So to not legislate morality upon mankind would be a disobedient act against him and his mandate to humanity to govern itself based on God's righteousness and commands. Paul affirmed this in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. The second argument against not legislating morality is that among believers who say you can't do that they're actually confusing the role of the government with the role of the church and society. You see, the government's sole responsibilities, according to Roman 13, are to protect the citizens from evil and promote the good, as defined by the only true objective moral laws of God. The church, on the other hand, is called to a different role in society, to change their hearts through giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ to be the moral conscience of the society as a salt and light of the righteousness of Christ. Thirdly, legislating morality actually helps the gospel spread more freely and broadly. Paul, in referring to evil men who tried to harm or even kill them, said that deliverance from them helps the gospel spread quickly and continuously without interruption. He said this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Now, you see, the only way that you can be delivered from evil men is by, number one, God's direct intervention of deliverance, or number two, laws that are made to prohibit their evil and immoral behavior. When evil men are restrained and held accountable and punished for their evil deeds, it helps society as a whole, Paul says, to be more peaceful and open to hear and receive the good news of Jesus. You see, we legislate morality every day, and it has been that way for thousands of years in countless civilizations. It's interesting, for instance, with abortion activists, they constantly say that government should not be allowed to make uh, laws uh, that will mess with their bodies. My body, my choice. All the while demanding that government make laws imposing that form of morality on everyone. Ironic, isn't it? So the question isn't really can you legislate morality, but rather whose morality is to be legislated. 
By imposing the moral code of God on all of society through lawmaking and enforcement, it may not change the behavior, but it can lead some people to have a change of heart by hearing the gospel. Now, it also needs to be noted that those same laws need to include sections that prohibit the excessive enforcement or wrong enforcement of that law. Now, I get it. Dr. Dennison and other evangelicals of this position seem to be saying legislating morality won't change people from sinning, and they are absolutely correct. I am totally on board with that. But it doesn't merit a throw-in-the-towel approach to lawmaking and enforcement altogether. In over the half a century I have lived, I don't believe I have ever seen or heard someone who has made and or upheld righteous moral laws believe that that will change everyone's hearts and make them stop sinning and get right with God. That's, that really is naive. But again, that isn't the role of government or the making of laws that curb immoral behavior in the culture. But also, if it were entirely true in every single instance worldwide that enforcement of moral laws based on God's laws don't change people, then why bother with prison ministries and chaplains? In my own church, I have a man who served many years in prison. He broke one of those laws of morality that promoted morality in society. But through that experience being incarcerated, he heard the good news of Jesus and literally is a changed man completely changed man, loving and serving the Lord. And I have met and seen many others like him in and over the years. Here's a little fun fact, by the way. Adultery is still a criminal offense in some states in the U.S. It's just rarely enforced or is just used as a contributing factor in a divorce case or for parental rights in some places. And in the U.S. military, it is a crime that is punishable. In the end, in the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12:13, he says this, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Well, again, I hope that this has helped your understanding of this from a biblical viewpoint. Don't forget to click on like or click to follow, subscribe, and share this with everyone you can today. Remember to always follow Jesus. By doing so, you'll always follow the truth.